an independent community radio station located in San Francisco, California, and founded by a diverse group of music lovers. We're committed to supporting San Francisco's multicultural spirit throughout our programming, events, and films. You're listening to Psyched Radio SF, an independent community radio station located in San Francisco, California, and founded by a diverse group of music lovers. Listen in for the hey, latest... Hey, 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 this is Neeraj, and you are listening to Psyched Radio. We don't uh, discriminate here, so stay welcome to Mean Curry. Like. We got the jams. Today, you have uh, today Blanca is gonna miss the show, uh, as as she You're so often does. Radio but <laughs> an independent community but radio we have a very special guest here uh, today, Chris Wilson, from the, the founder of Unshakable Man Project. For the hey, Chris. In the hey, good to be with you, man. Are you excited? I am excited. Yeah. Welcome, welcome to Psych Radio. Thank you so much for having me here. And we're gonna talk about. On Chris, radio, his journey, founding Psych Radio, founding the Unshakable Man, and conducting men's group, some psychology, and some men's psychology, and probably just we'll just go from there and see yeah, where we end yeah. up. I think we're in a really special opportunity here because you and I were in a men's group together. Exactly. So, and I had, I had. A great experience and we're gonna just discuss that in more detail on what uh why it's required today so much right yeah yeah we'd love to talk about that cool should we just get started or do we want to listen to some music first let's jump in a little bit yeah yeah all right yeah well uh why don't you why don't you tell us a little bit about you well, my name's Chris Wilson. I'm uh, the founder of The Unshakable Man. Uh, but more importantly, um, I would love to just bring it into the shared experience that you and I have had of getting to come out of the pandemic and uh, being able to sit in circle together, mm-hmm. right? I um, I know for me, um, I'm not sure who, the, the, just to bring in some context uh, of the discussion, but um, coming out of the pandemic uh, in the world of, disconnection or or retreating into our own spaces and uh, being separated from one another physically Um, coming out of that and then starting a a men's group here in San Francisco where we get to practice tools and skills to get out of our head and our egoic patterns and get into our bodies Um, it's been a really special time uh, and we all needed some uh, some help or some some sort of tools to get out of the of whatever the pandemic brought uh, and did to us. Yeah, yeah. And it definitely brought me into an awareness of uh, just how important um, this work is as uh, human beings and as men uh, to just create spaces where we can learn skills Mm -hmm. to connect with ourselves and other men and other human beings. Uh, But I think, you know, something I know coming here to be with you that I was really excited to just get to share and to talk about is um, we don't get many I don't get many opportunities to talk to engage with a man on the radio talking about the intimate experience of what it's like to be in a group yeah this is that's why this is so special yeah yeah Yeah. and uh, you touched on connection Um, just just to give a little background of uh, of what what goes through uh coming out of the pandemic we were all sort of looking for uh for that connection mm-hmm. uh to 
to meet other people and just come out of that shell uh, mm-hmm. that we sort of went I- in mm-hmm. uh, as as individuals and you know i had i had a lot of difficult period periods during the pandemic and um mm-hmm. just being around other people again uh did take some effort yeah and the uh, the men's group helped immensely mm-hmm. in that and um let's let's talk about what a men's group is and um cuz the listeners might not know or might yeah. not be aware of what actually goes into a men's group so let's let's start building that yeah uh building that that box to that have that conversation that container. yeah 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 absolutely so i think first before we even get into like what a ma- what the um what happens in the group um you said the word connection a few times and i think there's a few different things i want to connect here which is one is like connection is felt on and in the body mm-hmm. connection's not in the mind right like we have thoughts and m- moods judgments stories belief systems but at the end of the day like it's felt through the body right we feel things on and in the body and uh and we exist so the other thing to bring in here from the culture of manhood that we exist within is that there's like a hegemonic culture of manhood right like we have this culture of manhood which isn't masculinity or or femininity it's a culture of manhood and that culture of manhood uh has indirectly and directly sends pretty uh, we we don't have to like go down too much about talking about the 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 culture of it but we can just put a one single thing on it which is that there's like this man box mm-hmm. right which is governed through shame of saying you're either in the man box or you're out of the man box so it's very true yes right so you can either you can either show up and be in these certain ways Right. And I think maybe just for individuals who are listening, you and I could play a little bit of a game together to kind of construct what the man box is. Mm-hmm. Right. And maybe we could just play like a word game together. Right? Sure. So I'll I'll go and then you go and then we'll go back and forth and we can just go like five or ten times mm-hmm. just with words that and I just want to be really um, clear here that this doesn't mean that we agree with this, but this is the cultural uh, this is the message that maybe we have received through socialization uh, of what it means to be in the in this box. And are we trying to explain how that man box is uh, subconsciously created for people from outside? Yeah, we can talk about that too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, to be the man box might be um, athletic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Macho. Okay. Uh, provider. A father. Mm-hmm. Father. Uh, um, man up. Gutsy. <laughs> like daring. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, be tough. Be tough. Uh, like rugged. Yeah. I'm I'm thinking about like smoking cigarettes or uh Okay, d- yeah. that kind of uh, Yeah, Mambro man. Yes, exactly. Yeah. 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 So then you bring in like uh like Dis- an image in my mind of like Disney and like I need to be like a prince or I have to like chase the woman. I have to chase I have mm-hmm. to chase, I have to hunt. Mm-hmm. Um uh I have to be aggressive. Mhm. 
Aggressive, yeah. Let's do a few more just to yeah. construct it. Yeah. Am <laughs> 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 I bringing you up into your head? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, that, that was a very good point about chasing or hunting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So really like we we are what we're doing here is we're we're playing this this game to uh to start to paint a picture of this subconscious or this cultural thing that we Subliminal exist messaging yeah. through yeah. That we exist within whether we no matter how we identify there is this culture of what it means to be a man. Mm -hmm. And then that is reinforced through shame. Right? So if you step out of the box you're shamed and shame is the emotion that says if i told you what was true for me or what happened i wouldn't be allowed in the tribe i wouldn't be allowed to be a part of this group mm -hmm. right and so shame is adaptive in the sense that it helped us stay together through really challenging times and it also helped us stay together in small groups when we would do things that would step out of alignment with whatever held us together right it held us together mm. and so it's adaptive and constructive in one sense but it's destructive in the sense that like when we start to turn it inward on ourselves right and we start to uh, manufacture shame and so a big part of uh, bringing men together in space into a circle and one of the things that i like to point out about sitting in a circle is that when i sit in a circle with a group of other human beings, I look over your shoulder. I look through your f eyes. I see the front of your body, but I also look past you, mm -hmm. right? I see behind you and you see behind me. Mm -hmm. And what that starts to allow is it starts to allow my protective parts to relax. Mm. Right. And, and so going back to that, uh, man box and shaming to keep that man box intact mm -hmm. uh that's where oh you're not a man if you don't do this mm -hmm. uh you're not man enough if you don't do so and so if mm -hmm. you cannot like i don't know climb this hill yeah then you're not man enough to do it and uh, that's how that gets solidified mm -hmm. and and I, I guess people just sort of keep themselves in that box They're like oh i'll i'll try to fit in to this idea of what a man is and yeah. I just comply with whatever the whole group is doing to to not get shamed exactly yeah. exactly and so it's reinforced through fear right, right. of that yeah. right which then reinforces these protective parts mm -hmm. and then I might be right near you or I might see you on the street and I judge you mm -hmm. to look like a certain way and then I think oh you don't know how I'm feeling you must be blah 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 this way or that way based on how I see you and so one of the main things that we're working with when we come together as a group of human beings who ha who identify as male and we sit in a circle and we choose to be there as we're first getting to see through another how similar and how much uh, how, uh, our own relationship with this box. And so it's not about saying that this box is bad or good. It's about getting to uh, to broaden and deepen our relationship with that and see ourselves through the experience of another right and, and seeing that other people also have that fear inside them even though they might express themselves or show up as you know rugged or mm -hmm. manly or like 
uh, aggressive, but inside there's still a fear of being shamed. Yeah, and what we haven't brought in is that uh, we have, if we, we survived, right? Like we as human beings, we survived to get to where we are today, where you and mm -hmm. I are here in this space uh, with two microphones in front of us talking, right? And that process of survival um, wasn't necessarily thriving. It's mm -hmm. an adaptive process, right? There's mm -hmm. a lot of unconscious adaptive scripting of simply doing what is um, d being the way that uh, allows us to survive, not necessarily thrive, right? And so there's parts and that those parts of us become that we, uh, that we identify with. We think of it as being who I am, right? But there's also parts of us that don't quite fit into or maybe aren't simply celebrated, right? Mm. We don't actually have to push these parts away so much as they're just not celebrated. They don't quite fit in. And we're not even necessarily conscious of this, right? Or aware of this. And this mm. is thus the process of becoming a fully realized, open human being who can allow themselves to be fully expressed. Mm. And so the, the container, I think the thing that I want to point out here for anybody who might be listening, because we're talking about a physical experience right now, right? Like we're using words and we're talking over the radio about something that is happening physically, like you and me and a group of other 10 men sitting in a circle together. And there are sensations that come up on or in our body that trigger thoughts and moods and judgments and stories, right? about simply even arriving in that space right. and the structure that we create allows for us all to take responsibility and to let the other person know what's happening on and in our body and the layers of that structure the rings there's seven rings to every group so there's arriving setting agreements grounding checking in the first round checking in the second round checking out and then inspired integrations. And I'm brushing over those to, to say that that structure that we do inside of that group, that structure and the way of sitting in a circle where I'm looking over your shoulder past you, okay, and you're looking over my shoulder past me, it actually physically on and in my body, in my nervous system, the simply being with you, not even doing anything, allows my protective parts that have formed over my entire life to start to learn to relax. Mm -hmm. And as they relax, as those parts start to learn to trust me, because, hey, they, something's not going to get me from coming from behind me. I'm looking over your back. You're looking over my back. Then we can start to learn to work with those parts. And, to and it helps in getting out of that fear or flight or fright response yeah just reinforcing that you're safe yeah uh, and to be to be a, to feel safe around other people uh even men yeah even especially men, men. yeah because uh, i think in in society uh we i think we it is safe to say that men have been put in the uh role or not role but I, I would associate crime 
mainly with men or mm -hmm. being a threat. I mean, we look at the, 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 the data, right? Yeah. Like school shooters are male. Yeah. Like there hasn't been a female, yeah. <laughs> right? Like there, and testosterone, aggressiveness, uh, fighting, um, acts of violence, right? But, and so it's Im very important to call out that these experiences are real. Mm-hmm. But the difference to the parts that have formed is that the story in our head about those parts isn't necessarily true, right? And so when we, uh, when we arrive in a men's group, like when we go through the, the process of simply learning to be with each other in a space like that, um, we are literally working, learning to work with what is happening on and in a man's body in the moment and learning to go in and ask like what am i feeling where do i feel it on my body what does that part of me need and the entire like we don't we don't have to have we don't have to do anything uh special right like we literally are learning to be with each other as human beings and that experience that physical experience changes our relationship inside Mm -hmm. Right. I see you in a different way. And I realize when I leave that space, right, when I go out of the space, it changes how I see the world. And and then we come back in. Right. And we get to work with what's happening. Uh, it is it is a gradual process that needs to happen regularly over a period of period of time where you sort of take take the wax off of this um of this judgment that we hold for everybody who's not us mm -hmm. that they might threaten us or they might attack us or even if they they seem harmless we still hold that fear inside mm -hmm. uh, and don't trust other people uh, yeah. or open up to them or even or even the appreciation that i mean how how special is it right like you i don't i don't know how old you are but i'm 38 years old how old are you? I'm 36. You're 36. So I'm, I'm 38 years old and the appreciation for how lucky I am as a human being to have had the experience of being in, in these containers with other men that where it changes, i to be able to heal these places inside it gives me a sense of compassion for other men or other people who hurt people, hurt people. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's this sense of appreciation and compassion and awe, really like appreciation and fear for the profundity of like really what we're working with in our culture. Right. Like you and I showed up together for three hours a night for three months. And that was just three months but it's three hours a night. That is a huge investment of energy and time for a human being to take in their life to, that doesn't necessarily put food on your table or uh, make you money uh, or directly link to um, you know, productive success in our culture, yeah. right? And so it's this like appreciation to me of um, how important and how impactful and how sacred like this work is mm -hmm. and how 
doing this work, like you have had this experience, like you and I can talk about this, even we didn't even prep to come in here. Right. Yeah. And yet I, c I know that I can ask you, what are you feeling? And then I can ask you, where are you feeling that honor in your body? And then I can be with you in that experience. And you have had practice to be able to work with a, a part on and in your body. And that's, we don't have to get too technical here, but that's called interoception to be able to go into my body and to work with the sensations on and in my body and recognize that these emotions and I have a relationship with these, that whole process brings your awareness out of your head and into your body. Now, if you're in a relationship with another person and they upset you, most people who haven't been trained, what do we do? We, we just react to <laughs> that impulse by shutting down. Yeah. 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 Shutting down or fight or flight or yeah. we freeze. And then our energy and awareness goes out to our partner or the person that's making us feel a certain way that we don't like, mm -hmm. that we can't handle. And we say, F you, stop. Like, like mm -hmm. you're making me feel this way. You need to stop doing that. Mm -hmm. And my energy and awareness goes out. Mm -hmm. And then I'm, in another words, I, what I'm saying that it's not going in it's not going into what am i feeling where do i feel on my body right and we haven't been guided by our parents by our uh, the people who raised us on how to do this right. right and so then we get into relationship whether it's in business or in life and we create these like spaces where we say don't hurt me don't don't trigger me don't right we need the space to be safe as opposed to being able to really work with the experience of our life yeah. And right. I, I remember you uh, in the first group mentioning uh, of how how much appreciation you had just for people who showed up, because it is it is a pretty big commitment to take on, and um, I I actually saw in uh, I think in the other groups, not other groups but the open group w we had how reluctant people were to just show up mm -hmm. uh, and so I, I'm just trying to go back to w how difficult it is for people to show up to these because uh, it, it is incredibly challenging to put yourself in a place where uh, you feel like oh I'm, I'm, I'm going to be examined in a, in a way my thoughts yeah my thoughts and my emotions are going to be I have to look at them yeah I have to take a closer look at them and uh, I might not like what I find. Yeah. And that, that is, I think, what stops people from uh, taking that step. Right. Right. And yeah. it is uh, it is something to be very uh, grateful for, to have an opportunity to have that space. And I also think it's uh, a lot of privilege to to be able to have access to these tools and and to have that time because a lot of people don't and yeah it is yeah I, i'm i'm very grateful that i got that opportunity yeah uh, to be in that uh, group yeah thank you me too mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah i mean i guess the yeah the this paradox it's it's just this like paradox to manage right not a problem to solve but this this thing of um when you said like people appreciating why people aren't there, right? Because of, um, oh, I'm going to have to examine 
myself or I'm going to be forced in some way or something that there's like these places inside that I maybe don't want to go. And it, it really truly like one of the things we say in the spaces is that we're, this isn't a safe space. We want to create a brave space. Right. And so that's a, a, I guess maybe I could cover like our, our crafting of the Alliance, but we call it crafting the Alliance. And there's really three things that we have to review as a group in order to be able to move into doing one of these, one of these groups. And when we craft the Alliance, what we're doing is we're setting the view so that we can have a, a, do a certain practice and get a different result. And so an example of this is, um, there's really three primary things. We need to talk about uh, confidentiality versus secrecy, uh, the three-part intention, and the paradox of safe space. And so the confidentiality versus secrecy is simply acknowledging that anything and everything that's shared in that space is confidential, but it's not a secret. And the re- and a main reason for reviewing that is that we actually want when we cultivate a, a confidential relationship, there's a potential to actually create an island or a silo in our life where we end up using these tools in order to s- escape or retreat our life as it is. In the intention of this space, we actually want men to t- talk about and to take what happens in these spaces out into their life as it is, right? We want to do that. But if it's confidential, well, how do I do that? And so we have to recognize that confidentiality is not secrecy. You have permission and we actually want you to bring your experience into your life. You just aren't allowed and we don't want you to use another man's experience to explain your own or to share personally identifiable information about another man so that we can all be feel comfortable to get uncomfortable, right? To open up. So then the second thing is the intention. Right. And so uh, before yeah. we move on, uh, you mentioned uh, <laughs> not being a safe space and a brave space, and I'm 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 yeah. g- going back because I'm uh, I'm not sure where our listeners are. Yeah, uh, this is on the internet and all over the world. Yeah, and yeah, uh, this is a radio show where I usually play music. So yeah, I want my listeners to have more context on these things that we've talked about in yeah. detail and have some idea about, but the listener might never have uh, yeah. any idea about what a men's group is or anything yeah. related to psychology. So I want to take take it a little bit slow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, going yep. back to the safe space versus, versus brave. the brave space. Yeah. Um, a safe space is where we don't, uh, we don't, we we, we want to feel safe and we want to f- we feel protected right uh but that stops us from saying what we want as we might uh we might upset somebody else is yeah. that the is that the definition of a safe space yeah so i th- and i think this is why we craft this alliance right mm-hmm. so let's 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 make sure we talk about that right mm-hmm. um but before before i answer that part let's get to the intention, right? Okay. Cause that seeds that, right? And notice how, when I, when I even talked about it not being a safe space, mm-hmm. did you feel tight or feel scared mm-hmm. about maybe somebody outside mm-hmm. having a story in their head of, oh, that's bad, mm-hmm. I need a safe space. Yeah, yeah m- me too, right? And so let's, w- what I wanna be very careful 
to recognize here is that this space, right, when we have the, the intention of this space is my intention. And notice how I speak for myself. My, I don't speak for you and I don't speak for the listener. So my intention is to create a space where I can practice tools and skills to get out of my head and egoic patterns and to learn to get into my body. Okay, where I can be more open and connected. So if I have this intention and if you have that intention, that same intention or similar intention, then we create a very special container mm -hmm. between us. And this container doesn't necessarily extend out into the environment outside of this space where this where the the context is different. Right. Where we actually need to protect ourselves. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we step first through confidentiality versus secrecy then into the intention and there's the intention between everyone in the space and then there's the intention of that evening or that group right and then the last part of conf of uh, uh, the paradox of safe space is that the challenge of safe space and this is a paradox not not a problem to solve is that if i want the space to be safe and i do whether I'm aware of it or not, conscious of it or not, I will very likely, almost instantaneously, make the space unsafe the second we start getting into any practice. And the reason for that is because if I want the space to be safe, I might shift or change how I show up in order to try to make you feel more comfortable. Mm -hmm. Or you might try to manipulate or shift or change how you show up in order to get me to like you. And then the space is no longer safe. Now the space is inauthentic in some way, or we're trying to do something. I'm trying to shift you or change you. And so what's very important is to acknowledge this fundamental part of relating and to just bring it up into the light between everybody in the space, right? And this at a cultural level, this is like something that I mean, this would be a dream for our society if we could bring this level of awareness out into the blogosphere, out into the world. I mean, that would literally be called awakening of our entire mm -hmm. world, right? Like we would all be moving into a new level of, of consciousness. Where we hold space for each other for exactly how the other person is and yeah are able to take responsibility for our own for emotional our own. experience mm -hmm. and to without making the other person interpret it right so paradox of safe space right we ha in order to cut through this we can't try to get around it or do anything nifty what we have to do is set a different intention and that's to have the space be brave and what a brave space is, is it's a space where everyone in the space knows how to reinstate safety when it's lost. Mm. Right? Because from moment to moment, we may make the space unsafe. And so when the safety is lost, how do we reinstate it? Right? That's what's actually most important. Because to be able to grow, to be able to expand, to be able to go to places inside that don't have a voice maybe into traumatic or uh, situations or to work with trauma, we have to know how to anchor ourselves, how to reinstate safety after an, a rupture. And the way that we do that at the most core level is we take responsibility for ourselves to let the group know or the other person in the space know when we notice our state change right from moment to moment and that is a choice and i might not be aware of it so it's when i'm aware of it so it's like when you said that i felt open 
or when you said that I felt challenged or I felt tight. And then we learn tools in order to stay in our experience and to share the story in our head, right? Or to notice the sensation honor in our body without eroding into emotional contagion, right? And, and saying, hey, when you did that, you made me angry. And it's like, no, well, when that happened, I felt anger. Mm-hmm. But this, is, this container is held, it's constructed, right? And then at the end, we check out and we shake it off and we go back into the flow of our life. And it's the experience of being in that space that opens up opens us up, awakens us to this aware level of awareness that then maybe when I'm in the kitchen with my partner and she is moving quickly and uses a certain tone of voice with me that I feel upset, I have the emotional tools to care and to be the primary caretaker for those parts of me that are hurt and need my attention. And maybe I don't have to leak out onto her and say, Hey, you need to make me feel better. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I actually know now I've had some practice. I can, I can be the primary I caretaker. I can gauge my emotional state. Uh, and, and, and care and for yourself yeah. and address it. Right. Which then allows you to come to that person and ask for what you need from that place for, for that part of you, not mm-hmm. from it. Right. Yeah. Not just react to it, but express yourself more openly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it might not even have anything to do with you uh, in the first place. Mm-hmm. And you're not reacting just to anything a- at all, but you're actually making sure of the needs of the other person are being met or not. Yeah. And uh, so this awareness about uh, about your own uh, state of being, how, how is this cultivated in the in the group? So there's a lot of different things happening in the group, but I think the first thing that we're literally, we're working from with the moment as it is, we're always emphasizing the present, right? We're not using another person's experience to explain our own. Mm-hmm. And so by working in the present, we're, we're learning to work with what is happening on and in our body in that moment. So it's not, oh, yesterday I was feeling angry or something happened. What we're actually doing is we're learning when a man checks in at the moment. So as we construct the container, we create an empty space. And I like to think of that empty space as like a pool of water mm-hmm. where when it stills, the dirt falls to the bottom and I can see through it. Right. And so when we still the space and then we give an op- a man an opportunity to share, that man has a choice. He has a choice about what he gets to scan his perceptual database of everything and anything that's happened in his life. And in that moment, when he opens his mouth and starts to share, he's bringing something into the space and all of the men in the space get to their, your body and nervous system get to witness that. And so when he's sharing, I'm learning to stay open, right? To inhale in my nose and out my mouth. And then because we're keeping things slow, If I share something and then you notice that there's a a subtle sensation on and in your body that triggers a thought, a mood, a judgment, a story that you can be aware of. Now, you're you're literally learning to do your work when another man is actually sharing. Right. Right. Being there. So a lot of times uh, when somebody gets emotional, 
mm-hmm. and has an outburst of emotion yep. of any kind, not just anger or sadness, fear. Yeah. Uh, there is a tendency to sort of withdraw and shut down because yeah. we don't know how how to just not deal with our emotions. We don't know how to yeah. deal with other people's emotions. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just that's adaptive. That is adaptive. Yeah. With, uh, what does that mean in so a sense? When it. So you and I, right, we're here in our 30s, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever I react, whenever you do something in, my, in, my, in relationship with me, mm-hmm. and then I react to it, if we can witness that reaction, we start to realize that I'm not actually reacting to you as you are. I am reacting to the situation as the emotion in my body triggers a past my the way I, my impulse based yep. on what's worked for me in the past to mm-hmm. survive. Right. Right. And so I'm not actually reacting to you as you are or as the situation is. I have my own thing going on. Right. We have our own survival patterns that uh-huh. we've built up subconsciously. Yeah. Over, over, over our lifetime to right. just make protect ourselves yeah. or keep keep us in that man box yeah. or for whatever reason yeah and that is when you slowly just become uh, just becoming aware of it helps you need to it see away. it yeah right we need to have it come up right mm-hmm. and so then when it comes up and out and we have this there we get to slow it down we learn to be with it right and so then from that place because we have structure we have the ability to tend and mend. We have the ability to, um, if, when, when we're in this process, there's always an arc. And so as we remove these layers of these protective parts, we automatically become more compassionate, more connected, more curious, uh, more calm, right? And when we get into that state, we get ideas. We feel inspired. We can see different ways of being, right? And then that's what leads us to what we call inspired integrations. We actually can see that, oh, wow, I just saw, based on the way that I reacted and responded to you in this group, I felt how I I could see an image of how I show up at work, And now I see a stretch of how I could be different, how I could show up in a more open-hearted way. But the thing is, is that is a stretch. Just to give a little context or uh, try to give an example of how, you know, our impulses make us behave in a certain way. Uh, When I came in here, I couldn't find the keys. And my first impulse was that oh did i do something wrong did i forget uh the key somewhere and i started going into panic mode mm-hmm. as that was that was you know just oh that's my conditioning over time that oh did i do something wrong am i in the wrong somewhere mm-hmm. and that's w- when i start withdrawing or closing down mm-hmm. and your vision narrows, your blood pressure goes up. Exactly. The stress builds tighter. up and you immediately go into panic mode. I don't know what to do. I just want to get mm-hmm. out of here. I don't want to be, uh, have that judgment on me. Mm-hmm. And it, it helps to be able to slow down mm-hmm. and think clearly because panic mode does not help you think clearly at all. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the keys were not lost. They were somewhere else. Right. And it's it's a... Um, it's that conditioning uh, over a period of time, which we're not 
aware of it just happens subliminally or subconsciously uh and it's i don't know where it stays but it's somewhere in your body right right yeah yeah and that's that's why in the work we first uh try to go deeper in our body and see mm-hmm. where uh that yeah. where that emotion is hidden yeah i mean just the very first if we look at one of the one of my favorite things about this work about getting to talk about this is we're we're really we're it's like we're talking about um we're appreciating the way the reason for being for the why like you know when you you're on a hike and you see like why how the river the water just finds its way of the path of least resistance mm-hmm. and then the the big trees are all on one side of the river and the light comes in mm-hmm. and it's like what how is it just everything finds its place like everything is just so natural it's so um uh and and we are that we are trees like we we have we have formed our bodies have formed through an adaptive process and then we have a relationship with that mm-hmm. right i love uh, that we are trees yeah <laughs> we are trees who uh who learn to move uh-huh because uh, trees essentially are beings which stay in a place <laughs> and breathe and yeah. their breathing time yeah. i think is like one whole day yeah uh and we're just highly evolved right yes right (laughs) but when we come into the space like when we arrive in the space the first step of the circle is to arrive Mm -hmm. right like we're all there but we actually say like give yourself an opportunity to arrive here fully you can be somewhere else yeah you can physically be in the space but but you're somewhere somewhere else else, mentally and emotionally you're somewhere else so Mm -hmm. we arrive Right. And then we ground. And when we ground, we go through five stages of grounding. Right. Coming into our seat, coming into the body. Let's take them slowly. Cause uh, I don't sure. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to get too into <laughs> it. But basically, it, it's just to. Um, it, it's it's just this incredible thing to be able to be in, in this container, learning to work with the experience of our life. It's a dance. Every man in the space is a part of it. And we're not there to fix or to change or to strategize or to do anything but to learn to be with one another. Mm-hmm. And it's being that. Being with is love. And being with is love, right? Yeah, yeah not an emotion. Yep. Yeah, and as we learn to do that when you were saying before that like we're in fight or flight or we're moving through our life and we have all these protective parts it's just it's just in it's just unbelievable like it doesn't fit in my brain like my beliefs i I mean it does might fit into my belief systems but it's unbelievable because my mind doesn't understand it's ineffable how big a deal it is to imagine that we're really awakening, right? Like you're going from this context of your reality of being in fight or flight or having these protective states. And that's the experience of your life. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you're feeling. You don't know how I'm feeling. I'm the only person who can report on my experience. Exactly. Right? Yeah. But then you come into one of these containers and you go down five levels through five stages and you ha- and you it's nine o'clock at night. You came there tired. And then at the end of the group, you feel energized. Mm-hmm. You feel full. Yep. 
You feel creative. You That's feel true. vibrant. Yeah. You feel refreshed. Yeah. At the and end of the day, exactly. At the end of the day, yeah. right? And yeah. what is that a sign of? Like we're learning to, to heal, to allow these parts that are weighing us down to to be let to let go. It also shows the state of tiredness is uh, is like a mental thing. Our, yeah. our minds have incredible capacity, mm-hmm. uh, and we we sort of get drained by you know if when we meditate and go in a state of awareness we feel really fresh mm-hmm. in the in the morning and then we go through our day and it's not necessary that we we drain ourselves mm-hmm. uh just life is hard uh, life right. is hard for everybody and we do feel the the stress of it and the the part that drags us down as such but mm-hmm. it is very easy to get out of it too yeah and uh there is that uh there's the breath work involved as well in yeah. the dance group too yeah in the grounding yeah. just to just to sort of alleviate that uh, yeah. that presence cuz that's where i think most of our minds are when we go into uh into the group or the container if we have not grounded ourselves our minds are in our where our how our day went and yeah all the things that happen i think it just keeps circulating somewhere over there and mm-hmm. who said what uh things just keep spinning around in our heads and mm-hmm. it takes it takes that little effort to just take that off take that dark cloud off and like oh all once you separate that story in your head of oh i i'm so tired because of all this stress putting me down mm-hmm. you immediately feel energized again yeah I mean but you you mentioned meditating right mm-hmm. and like I think one of the most powerful benefits of being in a group is that um I many at least in my practice or in my experience of working with many men over 500 men um many of our relationships with meditation is um is trying like we are um we're coming into our practice uh from a perspective of mindfulness meaning like we're coming we're we're working with the the intellect or we're trying to perform better in life we're trying to uh feel good uh we're trying to uh, uh to be more settled and there's this whole aspect of trying and it's a cultural thing right like we exist in this culture with all of these apps and and there, there's an escaping your life mentality mm-hmm. or uh this is hard work and i think one of the things about doing these activities in a group and moving through these layers is that what we're the we're we're getting out of the head and into the body it's somatic we're not because so just in our in our meditation right like when we do the when we when we sit down for our seated practice we first find our seat then we come into the body which isn't a thought it's a physical experience then once we're in the body we we open up and breathe down into the earth and then after we breathe down into the earth and we realize we're actually of it right and then we breathe up from the earth like roots into our belly and as we do that we we just notice the sensations on in our body and lift and then come into like a fifth stage and we could keep going if we wanted but we really don't always need to it's just building this like structure 
and what I often find is that, um, like my nervous system responds to yours and mm -hmm. yours responds to the other man's in the space. Mm -hmm. And when I learn that I can relax, I discover that this, uh, this work is really an allowing process. I'm yes, there is like an intellectual component of like, I have practiced and I have skill, but we're learning to be skillful. We're learning to, to allow ourselves to meet the world as it is in a natural way, as opposed to trying to escape our life, right? As opposed to um, uh, trying to create this safe space, right? And it's this very, um, uh, the quality of it is, uh, is uh, like soft and tender and open. And when you, and you can feel the quality of the group shift or change mm -hmm. when we try, right? When someone tries to force something and that's not bad or good either, but it's a discernment, right? You start to and feel it. These are qualities which are uh, in that man box context are not associated with men as such. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But I would say they are, they are associated with the warrior, right? Mm -hmm. Like the, the warrior who is tender and sad to connect with the world, mm -hmm. right? He pre if otherwise he's brittle, right? Oh, I just messed up my microphone. Um, but it, I it's like that you brought up the warrior. Uh, it's one of my favorite topics. <laughs> well, uh, we did a, we've done a pretty good job talking, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, uh, if you're just tuning in, um, uh, Welcome to Psych Radio. This is Neeraj with Mean Curry, and I'm talking to Chris Wilson uh, of The Unshakable Man, and we are talking about men's groups and how they function and how they, um, how a man pretty much grounds himself and mm -hmm. how it helps opening him up to explore other ways of being, uh, which he might not have experienced simply by being with other men. Mm -hmm. uh, and creating a safe, not a safe space, a brave space <laughs> and a container uh, to to pretty much explore his, his own state of being and his own emotions. Yeah. And, he, and even as you said that, Niraj, it's, um, you know, I do want to bring in that this is like, this is, this is the, the, the men's group we are in, right? Or the, the unshakable man style of being in a group, right? Which I, I would call a, a somatic self-leadership group where we're learning how to connect with our body and our intention is to get out of our head and into our bodies and to learn to work with the experience and but i will say there are very lots of different kinds of men's groups and there are groups out there that are uh, structured around being a certain way right like mm -hmm. telling men how to be a, a certain archetype of a kind of mm -hmm. what it represents to be a man so let's but we're not doing that I see. Right. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the somatic self leadership yeah. aspect of it. Then. Yeah. Well, I mean, from somatic self leadership, it's this. Uh, I mean, if we just broke down those words, right? So somatic comes from the word soma, and we before mindfulness was brought to the United States, we didn't have um, uh, when we translated these texts we made the words into mindfulness, right? We, because we didn't have a word 
that matched soma or energy body. Nowadays, we have the nervous system and we have a lot of research now finally showing that 80% of the signals from the body come from the body up to the brain and 20% go from the brain down to the body. That's interesting. And so it's really bodyfulness, mm. right? In other words, the story in your head follows the state of the body, which mm. is why the breath comes from the word inspa, inspiration. So if we breathe in your nose and then out your mouth and then in your nose and out your mouth right your body as your body gets grounded all of a sudden your your mind is able to clear and to still and so somatic refers to the body and practices to come into the body mm -hmm. right which in all the stuff we've been talking about right in the adaptive process right the like when you wake up in the morning and you walk outside, uh, I hate to go on another tangent, but have you seen the show Alone? Alone? Alone. No. Oh, okay. So they drop a bunch of men and women off in the woods and they have to survive alone for as long as they can. Ooh. Without any tools? No tools. They have 10 things. They can bring 10 items, but they have oh. to survive alone in the woods. Hmm. And what you find is that um, the, the, the people that um, fight nature have a horrible time but the people that learn to adapt and learn to be with the natural environment do much much better and when we wake up in the morning and you walk get out of your house and you walk down to the cafe you walk across the street your your nervous system your body turns on to protect you mm -hmm. right it's a nervous system Mm -hmm. Right. It's sending signals up to your brain that are telling the brain something important is happening to the body's well-being. It's not you. You are the awareness. Mm -hmm. Right. But we identify with thinking I am Chris Wilson. I am a men's coach. I am a man. I am a son. I am a citizen of the United States. A lot of tags right. that we carry. Yeah. Those are my sense. those are my roles. Mm -hmm. Right. But that's my external self, mm -hmm. right? It's what I've come to identify with. Mm -hmm. But it's also my small self. It makes me small. I'm so much more than that, right? So many more than these things. But it helps me feel safe, right? So I latch on to this stuff and hold on to it really tight. So somatic self and leadership. So the somatic part is getting into the body and learning how to come into it. Because as we move through the experience of our life, we, it actually requires some skill to be able to remain open. Like our heart gets closed down by the threat mm -hmm. of survival. Just, just being outside sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So you're learning to, the somatic part is learning to come into the body. And then the self is literally learning like, I am not who this person that I think I am, that I come to identify with. I am that which is experiencing. I am, I am awareness, mm -hmm. right? Because when you and I are in a group and we slow down, right? Like my awareness is, can be placed on or in my body or it can be placed through a thought and I can get up into my head, mm -hmm. right? And so it's learning to, to work with this somatic and the self and then what is leadership leadership in this context we think the images we see in the world from from people in the media and politics and movies and all of this stuff is that it's like bravado right it's like 
I'm going to I'm going to attack. I'm going to go out and I'm going to be tough. Yeah. But really leadership is to be able to be vulnerable and to be able to be open, yeah. to be courageous, to show your heart. And so we're like <laughs> we're literally like rewriting these scripts that we've learned as human beings. And <laughs> and we desperately need to. Yeah. Given watching today's uh, a lot of today's leaders it it feels like the the work that you're doing is so so required in today's society mm. um just cuz being a man has become this tainted thing yeah uh and there is a lot of evidence for it and there is um like i go back to the uh, yeah. evidence for the no crime rates yeah and uh the state of toxic masculinity uh overtaking what being a man actually has become yeah and uh like you said rewriting it uh needs to happen and needs to start somewhere and yeah thank you for taking up this uh role as a men's coach for yeah. uh basically telling showing a lot of men what they are capable of and who they actually are rather than that tiny little man box uh, yeah. that we're sort of all uh learn to be in yeah thank you <laughs> and we are at the top of the hour now already beautiful <laughs> look at that yeah we went on a verbal journey yeah and um if you're if you're just tuning in welcome to psych radio this is neeraj with mean curry and we're talking with chris wilson of the unshakable man uh so chris how did you uh how did your journey start into this cuz i'm not i'm sure you you weren't a men's coach no uh i wasn't i wasn't born into <laughs> or uh, or 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 picked <laughs> no right. no so i had how was your journey uh getting into this work uh it was it's definitely been a an a downward and inward spiral a, a calling but it it uh it started with a a massive anxiety attack when i was 28 years old i'm 38 years old now uh, so it's been 10 years and um really i think i i was that uh if i was if i was going to noun myself i was that young that young man who was aggressive and athletic uh and goal oriented and um did but really i was i developed those protective parts from a place of fear i grew where i grew up in, in new england in the boston area in a very hard working um blue collar family in a bed and breakfast in a restaurant in a bar setting where i all of the messages i received was of a hard culture of working hard in order to be successful um and i also had a very uh, traumatic uh, and abusive relationship with my mother um who um had borderline personality disorder but i didn't know at the, what i didn't know what i didn't know mm -hmm. and so a lot of my uh energy and awareness went into being an athlete but later in my my opening experience really realized it was from a place of wanting and needing to feel safe right that gave me a sense of control and of of my body and of uh and of my direction i was either fighting or flighting uh and also some freeze and some a lot of fawn in there and um but i didn't come to this work until i got to 28 years old and had a a massive life altering anxiety attack 
that took me a week, a month, a year to reintegrate from. And I'd say that that experience of, of really it shifted for me when I, um, when I realized that my relationship with my body as a, as a man who, uh, was cultured in the way that I was like, in a lot of ways I was very, um, supported, right? Like our culture really, like I was, a, I was, uh, I identified with this stuff in a really positive way. Like I was very happy with my, my athletic persona, like my, my goals, my life, my quality of my life. And if you had asked me at that time in my life, Hey, do you have anxiety? I would have said no. But every once in a while, I would get these like hives or this itchiness honoring my body. Mm. And my relationship with that was to tough it up, was to be like, what do I need to do to, to, to achieve this thing, to make this thing go away? And when it finally took over and I had this experience that I thought, I mean, thought I was going to die. And I was in the office and passed out and wasn't able to go back into that environment. And it was the environment that I was most comfortable in mm. where it occurred, of course. Right. But then in the process of, of really trying to find out what is going on, on and in my body, the big shift and change, the first big one was learning what, what is an emotion. Um, it was in a workshop actually here in San Francisco with Dr. Eve Ekman, who did a research study the Dalai Lama on what do a research, what do emotions researchers agree on? And she said, uh, they don't, they don't agree on what an emotion is. And it was this definition, right? It's an, uh, it's a physical sensation honoring the body that the mind is consciously or subconsciously aware of that's sending a message to the brain that something important is happening to your body's well-being. And we were in a room with, uh, about 30 practitioners and there were, from my, my just view around the room, it really looked like there were only two other men in the space. And I felt very um, out of place, right? And, uh, and then she looks around the room and says, you know, the female identifying population, females, women are told, you're good at this. And men are told, you don't need to learn this. Like, you actually should be focusing on other things. This is going to slow you down we're all poorly trained, mm-hmm. right? And if, you're, if you don't know how to do this, it's not that you're bad at it, you just aren't trained. Mm-hmm. And it really showed me that I, um, it opened me up into this, like I don't, this isn't something to fix. This isn't something that went wrong. This is something for me to learn to be with and to, to allow. just keep experiencing. Yeah. And it, it won't stop, you just keep experiencing it every time uh, you've, you've it will shift you, though yeah you experience different emotions the same emotion can be experienced in a different way in a different situation yeah right? yeah and you just you just be there to listen to it yeah 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 if an emotional experience doesn't shift or sequence into a different ty- kind of emotional experience if it's a if it's the same experience over and over again in a more heightened way there, there very likely is something that you, you, you is stuck, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, the physical sensation on in the body, just like a, just like the tide coming in and out, just like the wind, just like, just like a natural landscape, right? Like it shifts, it changes, it has seasons, right? If it stayed the same for too long, something's wrong. You're inside it's a freezer, a <laughs> right? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, um, but learning that and then, um, 
and then I, I was at, uh, I ended up getting a job at a program called Uncollege, which was a social emotional learning program. And, um, I was the learner in residence there for about a year. And in that program, we did circles for the students and they were these beautiful experiences on Mondays and Fridays. And that was my job to run these circles with these 15 to 19 year old students. And, um, and during that time, I got invited to go to my first men's retreat. And when I went to that men's retreat and I was leading it and I was running these circles with these kids, I realized at that retreat that I was afraid to invite any of the other men in my life that I knew to come. Mm. And when I arrived at the retreat, I actually found out that three of the men that I had previously worked with signed up and I had been pushing them away. Mm. I was afraid to be who I allow myself to be in their presence, to be open. Mm -hmm. And I had never realized that. And so through that three year process of like reintegrating back into my life in a different way, which was a thrashing and very traumatic and very challenging time in my life. It really showed me like one, like the quality of my experience in my life has become so much more, uh, nuanced and uh, sad in a really good way like in a really like right now like even as I say that like just being able to cry being able to appreciate the the beauty mm -hmm. uh, in our I was just thinking about I was walking down the street in the outer Richmond today and I saw this little kid on the side of the street mom putting a, a baby into a into a side cart little kid just throwing an absolute fit on the side of the street like a total fit and the mom turned around and picked him up and just didn't do anything like just picked him up and she had so much stuff going on and she picked him up and she just put him into the side of the seat and it, and i cried seeing it and i'm tearing up right now you know like it's just like this ability to be open right and uh and to witness that and to feel it on and in my body, I didn't know how to allow myself to be that way. Mm. That challenged my sense of safety. It challenged my sense of who I was as a man. And now it's like, <laughs> I don't, <laughs> it's not, it has nothing to do with that. It's actually yeah. about being that. And because as men, we're always told to, have no emotions or have never show any yeah. emotions or yeah. be stonewall uh hardlined yeah and rugged and just like oh you're you're gonna push through it or fight through right. it like just go or through or, or you got to throw it away right you yeah. have to like not be you have to be some other kind of man you have to be yeah. this like hippie or this dude that i mean that was one of the hardest things for me on this work initially for the first like five years was look at me i'm like this blue-eyed bro who like looks like he should live, like I would look very good in like a commercial for chubbies or something, <laughs> right? Like, like come on, like I am not, I don't look like this guy that sh should be doing this this work. But now it's um, it it's uh, it's just a practice. It's yeah. it's a um, uh, I I did always have. I have feel very lucky to, for me, one of the main archetypes of being coming a man or being a man was my dad. And I grew up in a bed and breakfast and I got 
it was like a farm and I got to see my dad working very hard every day. Um, but I got to see the emotion of it, right? Like if he was smiling in the morning or if he was down in the morning based on how the restaurant did and that I always had this um, feeling of like w wanting to find this craft, this way, this thing, like when he would serve food, it was like he was giving a f he was serving people. He was giving love. Like it was just this, it was dynamic and nourishing and connected. It was my house. It was a business, but it was this farm, the family farm. And we made beds. Other farmers do corn. Mm -hmm. And for me, I think the integration of this work is that. Yeah. Right. That's it's a very, like very good point that you uh, brought up the relationship with your father mm -hmm. uh, and the father son relationship is is a very complex relationship, which mm -hmm. has uh, many. So there's the stereotypical uh, angry, grumpy father yeah. and uh, the rebel child yep. who <laughs> goes against him. Uh, that's that's portrayed in the in the media. And there's there's a lot that I've read. Uh, I, I bet you've read it too uh, from Robert Bly, yeah. uh, who wrote Iron, Iron John. John. Yeah, <laughs> about how uh, the son receives how to be a man, the idea of how he's going to be when he grows up. Yeah, by looking at his father mm -hmm. and being with his father. And one thing that happened during the Industrial Revolution is the kind of job that men did changed yeah where previously men worked in the farms or mm -hmm. uh, wherever they worked they the kids still had access to uh, to their parents yeah you know they didn't go to the cities or they didn't go to office uh, but children saw their parents work yeah and, and somatically like our nervous systems we would yeah, work with like them a, it's like a nutrition which we just get uh, by being with them yes right and since that changed, there was that absence mm -hmm. of the father in the family yep. who would leave early in the morning mm -hmm. and uh, the daughters had their mothers to uh, sort of get their nutrition from mm -hmm. uh, of who, how they were going to be. But the son sort of felt vacant mm -hmm. or had an absence of uh, and created this emptiness in him, mm -hmm. uh, which he s he would either seek from his mother or just you know just go around with other kids who also had that same emptiness yep. mm -hmm. and the father would come back in the evening going through his whole cycle of work pressure and stress and that's what we would get and that's what the child would get is like oh the dad is uh this angry uh person who wants to be left alone yeah yeah and he doesn't want to interact or he doesn't want to engage yeah and that's that's what the child gets is that that's how men are uh or that's how that's how they en end up becoming too yeah which yeah. which to bring in like the toxic masculinity right mm -hmm. like if we think about the past 70 years of or past 100 years of development of jobs and and our our culture uh and then you have like the 60s of like of 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 escaping the and having other cultures right like i'm going to take off my suit i'm going to put on my bell bottoms mm. right like and like uh and then we have the w women's suffrage we have the the we have uh the lgbtq movement we have me too right and then throughout all of this we have like 
this like lagging behind or this uh, this hardening of this this brittle culture of manhood, mm-hmm. right? And I have a I do have a more nuanced relationship with the word toxic masculinity, having done this work and creating a space where anyone who identifies as male can be present in that space. And it's really important to me to notice that like in my practice, I use those words, like anyone who identifies as male or has been socialized as male. And it's not, um, it's, it's very important to me to recognize that like I, one, I'm not checking, right? Like this is your identification with how we are working with a culture of manhood. But then um, this idea that like we are shaming men for being men, for being manly, when really what's happening is we have uh, almost like emasculated and made being a man into this rigidly defined box where there's only these like acute hyper masculine ways of being Mm -hmm. that we see and so to be a man you almost can't be that Mm. right which is simply not true like actually when we go through the whole arc as we just went through with the group it is my partner wants me in the polarization of our relationship to be able to to work with what's happening on and in my body to be able to show her my darkness to be able that i mean <laughs> it's pretty bad sex if you're not bringing your full mm-hmm. right if it's not heightened right and there that polarization is there right we need that but how do we hold it in a loving and nurturing and dynamic way where we're able to like bend bend with that yeah. the wind if you're right? never allowed to be vulnerable with yourself then you'll not be vulnerable with your partner right yeah right but i think that that part that you bring in from robert bly about young men not getting to be around their fathers it's just um it's incredible how like i don't i don't feel prepared to have this conversation at a socio-political level of like what we're dealing with in politics Mm -hmm. i feel prepared to be able to do this in a practice sense in a room with 12 men or on a retreat with 60 men uh, or one-on-one over a year of working with a man in his life but um when it comes to working with um the cultural like the i like to call it the manosphere like the news and the media I actually, I really look at it as joining that fight, right? Like, like, and putting my energy and awareness into uh, talking about that or fighting over it is fueling it versus creating these spaces like you, like you're one human being and we have had an experience Mm -hmm. and I feel this connection with and through you. Mm -hmm. And I see you right now here inviting me to be on this show. I know in my gut, I don't, I can't fathom it, but I know you're going to spread this, this work creating a, a ripple. Yeah. 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 But it's, I say it almost like to make sure that cause it, it is, it there's like a a protective part that feels sad about like 
am I doing enough, right? Mm-hmm. Is do, um, and, uh, and I do feel like I, the, the enough is creating these circles and teaching men how to create these circles and passing this work on one human being at a time because the other stuff is, uh, and from what yeah. I've, I've experienced, uh, through this is that you are doing great, uh, being, being able to hold space for all the men's groups that you do run and having interacted with, uh, some of these men, uh, and having formed meaningful connections with, uh, men, I, I want to reef, uh, may emphasize that you're doing great and (laughs) and that I'm very, very grateful. And I bet everybody who has been, uh, part of a group just wants to tell thank you for doing uh, what you're doing because mm, received it i don't think this is something you know that would uh, just go away in a in a in a heartbeat or in in like a it's not something that you go on like cnn or a big uh, media show and talk about it and things change overnight this is something which will take gradual process and generations probably yeah um but s- since you started doing this, there are now more men who are better able to hold space for themselves and for other people. Yeah. And that is that is change. Yeah. And Thank you. It will it will propel itself and that ripple will become a wave uh, over time. And it is. It, it is. is there's it. a lot of great there's a lot of men doing really beautiful, deep work out there. And yeah. and it is very special to be able to. Yeah talk about it yes (laughs) and uh i i know that people are listening to us as well i i got messages from uh friends who are tuned in and i i genuinely thank everybody who does wow that's so cool uh, tune in so thanks for listening guys and uh if you wanna how how do people do get in in touch with you or yeah be a part of the you can you can find us at unshakableman.com we host online groups, five online groups a week in our online membership. And uh, we're going to be hosting five retreats here in uh, Northern California in Mendocino over the next year. I'm actually driving up tomorrow, s- Monday morning, uh, <coughs> to oh. go see this retreat center. So very excited to be doing in-person work again here in the city. So Nice. Yeah. Thank you so much, Niraj. This has been really special. Yeah, and... I do feel bashful right now about how much I just talked about (laughs) things that uh, we have (laughs) a a deep heart experience with, but I hope that it connected, that can connect with individuals just on the street. Yeah, this is, I mean, you're here to talk uh, about this. And I, (laughs) um, when I started this uh, radio show a couple of months ago, um, my idea of I, I call it mean curry. Yeah. Uh, art of every flavor. Uh, where I don't like the idea of a genre. Because I feel that a genre puts music inside a box. And I love it. And uh, music is, for me, is it, it's an expression of a person. And then to say that uh, all of this music is uh, punk rock, it goes into this box. Yeah. is like the same man box uh, concept. Yeah. And so I did not want my show to be just about one thing. Yeah. And 
one of the things i don't think i would have been comfortable being coming into a studio and talking into a mic having a radio show if i had not done the uh, men's group oh wow so this is that uh, ripple effect mm. of you know yeah. people taking charge and knowing themselves better doing things outside of their comfort zone yeah um and yeah we we, we can s- keep talking about <laughs> it we, we still have time we still have time yeah yeah do. i mean i just think that's <coughs> such an awesome example man i i'd love if anybody if you wanted to take a look at your phone if anybody had anything they wanted to say i'm more than happy to riff in that area yes um, if uh if you do want to have have any questions you can uh just send a message on instagram uh to uh to me uh, i'm neeraj1786 n e e r a j and uh there's a, you can also follow chris on the unshakable man on instagram yep is it yep the unshakable man all all lower case yeah there's no yep. high at the underscores. unshakable man on instagram I don't have my phone in front of me, but I think that on another note, like that, what that's such a great example, I think, of this, um, like if we hold these two opposing profiles, right, in our mind right now, like we just painted this picture of, I'm just going to use one word to do it, which is horrible, but toxic masculinity, right? We're sending this message to so many young boys and men, and just men in general, that like somehow masculinity can be toxic, Right. Mm-hmm. When really it's it's human beings showing up in being toxic in a certain way. Mm-hmm. It's not that manhood is bad. Mm-hmm. It's that there's the, but we are we are not taking responsibility for the way that we show up and what we put out in ourselves to do our own work and to heal the world and uh, heal our own relationships. But then like what you just shared about your relationship, just one one example with this work. Right. Of having the courage to like get out here and to to bring your creativity and your light to the world which to me is love right like your creative practice whether it's a business or a relationship or a child's life right like you're you're moving through fear and insecurity to bring something out into the world and to birth it Mm -hmm. and that as a as a masculine practice to do it in a caring tender and also bold like way that can lead right that can show the way that can give trajectory and uh and chart a course and set a pace Mm -hmm. it's very very important for our world and for our society and i i just um because this this is something that we do work with like in our groups right like men we very often have had groups where men come in and feel guilt for being in a space with just men. Mm-hmm. Like there is a cultural, either a shame or they're feeling guilty about, am I allowed to be in this space with a group of men? Am I doing something bad? Mm-hmm. Right. And that, that is a uh, something to cut through. Right. Cause it's like, if that, if the work, the ability to just be in a space with a group of other men to learn to, to, to care and to soothe and to just be with them. If we have an image that says like, like I'm somehow being a bad person to do that. That's toxic to me. Like, and I, I get that too. Uh, I get why that comes up. Uh, cause 
the mm. first question someone can have who's only experienced uh, masculinity in a toxic way is that oh men have shaped the world they have dominated mm-hmm. uh, cultures and yeah. they've they've used brute force and uh, you know they've basically uh, i think of kingdoms how society was run by kingdoms mm-hmm. were all these kings with their big crowns yeah. and giant thrones uh, sitting in a council of other men yeah uh, pretty much dictating right. wha- whole society right for generations and uh, it i can get why people would be like hey is that uh, is that what's going on here right yeah. right versus like to appreciate this to bring this into the what we just talked about with the group like one of the things that i find that's so i mean is i I love appreciating the work from this perspective but when we come into the space we have a structure Mm -hmm. right that structure is masculine and if we lose the structure if we allow the structure to erode then the container that allows the feminine to be amplified and to flow so the energy in the space to flow through the space in dynamic and vibrant ways if the structure erodes that our appreciation or ability to attune into that erodes and so what it's it's really like after for me in my relationship with this work it's like yeah it's a men's group right but we're only really working with the culture of manhood for the first as we go through the initial process and then we're really learning to just be fully whole right Mm -hmm. to be able to work with our masculinity and our femininity and to just be open to just be (laughs) dynamic right the mind has no gender right right? yeah the mind has has no gender right masculine feminine it is just a whole right uh being Right. But then you look at women's groups, right? And there's this proliferation, or at least in my, my, in my social milieu, right? Like we have women's groups where they're learning to own that, that femininity and their masculinity, mm-hmm. right? And to hold that structure and to de- like allow their desire to be fully expressed, right? And it's just, um, it's just very, very cool to notice that like this work is, is happening, right? And, uh, and uh, my sense is, is that like, this is, this really is like a cultural shift, right? Like we had me too, and we've moved through the LGBTQ movement and not saying any of these things are over by any means, but we've reached this phase where it's really caught. We're at a stage where it's, we are, we men are being called on to, to rise, right? Mm -hmm. Masculinity rising, opening. And, um, I I just I see it happening in so many different places not just San Francisco but I do I do pinch myself at this the serendipity of getting to be this place is so special right like our city and the community we have here totally I mean the 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 groups that we run are uh just even even with our issues on socioeconomic status and like Right. Like our groups are diverse in comparison to other places for me. So, yeah, Chris Wilson, just talking, 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 you know, it's like I, I love hearing you uh, talk. Chris. <laughs> and, uh, good luck with the retreats that are uh, that yeah. are coming. Yeah. And um, 
and I know you you were holding uh, retreats last year as well. We did one in Montana, mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, with Dr. Chris Bromberg. But that was last year was was uh, challenging, right? Like it was always the potential of yeah. something not happening. Yeah. So it was like a blip. And, and now I I I feel so grateful that I was part of the first group that you did, like first in person group. Yeah. That you did, and are you still doing online groups? Oh yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. The in in terms of. Um, so we our groups online are uh, are like a gym membership. It's uh, it's more of a community, and we have like mm. a community practice. And so we host a group on Mondays at nine a.m. Pacific Standard Time, Tuesdays at three o'clock Pacific Standard Time, Wednesday at five, Thursday at noon, or noon Thursday at ten, and Friday at noon. And so those groups are run by facilitators that I've worked with over the past two years and we together uh, hold the community as a group of stewards and so there's seven men that volunteer to maintain the community and so when a man uh, right now it's really like uh, I mean we're only like 40 men practicing in that community on a weekly recurring basis but something I'm really excited about is like basically we've been practicing together over the past year and when a man wants to invite a friend to come join that's how we've been growing and we've really been learning how to um how to how to hold that space online right like because it's a culture it's like a it's like a garden right like i'm not really sure for a long time if i wanted it to grow beyond that Mm -hmm. it was really about being deep in that group um but now i'd say like as i've matured and the community has matured um, this group of, of stewards has uh, like self-organized. And what I'm really excited about is we're, we've um, just developed a fundamentals training that's four weeks long. And uh, we're actually going to start our first cohort on October 1st. And we're going to actually be advertising online for it, which is a whole new, I really feel like with the, the, end, the pandemic, it's one of the most beautiful things to come out of the pandemic is like learning to do this in an online environment Mm. and then um and then the creation of like that fundamentals training uh to me it's like it's not just a bunch it's not just webinars and information online it's a physical experience right right? and learning how to facilitate that the same way you and i did and it's not something you just turn on and just go into the background it's actually being present present there Yeah, yeah yeah and to imagine like I mean, I'm I'm just a dude living in San Francisco with my fiance and our cat. Like, I'm not a, I I'm not. This isn't some like funded tech startup. Like, <laughs> like this is real. It's 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 yeah. uh it's it's me and like like learning to, to facilitate and to organize these things. And it's it's, uh, it's challenging and, uh, creative and cool. And I think I'm just very um. It's really neat to be able to talk with you about this and then to, I never, I never imagined I'd be doing this. Like this is right. Like, but I am, I am really excited to, to announce that and to, I I can't believe I'm talking about this online on a radio right now because it's, it's, um, yeah. Yeah. And, um, I'm so excited that you're also going to Burning Man. Yeah. Because I, 
I I did not know if I was gonna go uh, until like a week ago. You too? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I, I did not get the tickets in the OMG. How sale. did you find out? Um, uh, it was bittersweet. A friend cancelled her trip, and oh. I got uh, their tickets. But <coughs> in my head, I was like, I am gonna go. Yeah. And yeah. That's what we did. Right. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and it just happens. You manifested it. Exactly. <laughs> you man manifested <laughs> it. <laughs> and are you are you planning to talk about it at Burning Man? Ooh, I, I mean, where I, I would go encourage you to uh, go to Center Camp because they have these uh, they have a stage where you can just go and talk about anything you want. Really? Yeah. Oh wow, I've never. Yeah. I would be too super down for that. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I just love that place so much where I think the community would highly appreciate uh what you're doing cuz it's I I feel it's sort of aligned. Mhm. Mm uh, a lot of uh, principles yeah. are aligned and there would be people who would just uh you know make things happen. That's yeah. how I feel Burning Man is. It's like yeah. if you have an idea or if you are walking a path, you f meet yeah. people who are walking that same path. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very excited to to be there. And I would love to run a group at the Burn. Mm. I haven't. Um, yeah. I'd be. <coughs> but I think this this is my third time going and, um, and I've been off for two years. And uh, it's. I do notice it has a different feel for me this time around. How I, so? uh, um, I'm, um, it's not about, I think in the past, well, the first time was the first time. It's very exciting. This is my third time too. Really. Oh, it's your third time. Cool. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about third time's the charm. Um, so for me, um, I'm, I feel so much more grounded. I feel so much more, um, I, um, I really, I'm, I'm really excited to be like sober there, mm -hmm. um, to be able to just, uh, to be like open to the experience in a way that, um, not to say that like uh, before it was just about like mind-altering substances right are we allowed to talk about that on here sure. yeah it's like psychedelics and and yeah. things right but it it um but uh i um i think for me like um it's really i'm just really excited to to go there and to uh to see who i am in that place again yeah right yeah. uh it's been such a I mean, this, my life, my work, uh, my relationship with my practice is so different and, uh, it's just so dynamic and open now. I'm like, oh man, like, I just can't believe it's happening. I can't wait to be there. What about you? What's your, what's your third year going to be it like? It's going to be different, uh, in a way where I am, uh, through this coming out of this pandemic, I am very different from however I was before mm -hmm. uh, I've had uh, therapy and men's work uh, and I feel more of a man and less of a boy who's just trying to figure things out mm -hmm. or I think there was more of a um, 
the idea of I'll I'll be in my safe space and I'll just watch what's ha- going on and I'll yep. just go look go at you. The flow. You'll just be in your safe space watching what's going on, right? Yeah. And now and now I, I'm excited to see how it is. It's yeah. Because I know it's going to be different. Mm-hmm. Uh, there has been a transformation. I think the last last burn that I went to was called uh, metamorphosis. Mm. And I feel that has happened in, in the last uh, couple of years. Yeah. And I'm so Me too. To I was at metamorphosis as well. Yeah. Look at us. Look <laughs> at us. This is cool. Do you know where your camp is? 930 and F, Havana Nights. No way. You're 930 and F. We're 915 and C. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're so close. Wait, are you Elementum? Is that Uh, We are... Um, um, we were the DTH group, which is down to hug, but we merged with, I can't remember. Okay. We can't remember. We're, we're close. We're close. We're very close to each other, and which is fantastic. The best thing about Burning Man is that even if you don't know, uh, where other people are, you end up meeting them. Yeah. 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 So I'm, I'm pretty sure we're going to okay. hang out well, over there. <laughs> awesome, man. That's really great. It's really great. What's yeah. been your favorite experience on the show so far? On the show? Yeah. Uh, so I uh, interviewed uh, an actor who goes by the actor. Uh, I think that was like the third show that I did. And he was he's, he's an incredible personality uh, who I met at the open mic okay. that, I, that I go to. And just spending a couple of hours uh, listening to his uh, journey and uh his experience how he got into acting it sort of got me comfortable in this role Mm. as hey i can you know i can sit here and ask questions and listen to inspiring people Mm -hmm. and just be here and enjoy this yeah uh so that is that is one thing the other is my co-host blanca who I love so much and miss so much uh, if you're listening, Ganga. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I heard you say she's not here very often. <laughs> uh, so she's she's out traveling, uh, okay. but she's going to be here more regularly because we've done, uh, she's co-hosted with me uh, like four or five times. Okay. And w- we have this great uh, chemistry and our music is so aligned. Uh, I have, that's, that's why I have fun doing this. Yeah. Uh, it's just, I come here to play music and then talk about the said music, which is awesome <laughs> for a musician. That's like great way to spend two hours and also have people listen in. And I get uh, sometimes my mom tunes in from uh, from India. Wow. Like wakes up early and tunes in. And I have friends uh, who message me that they're uh, tuned in and it it gives this. I don't know how to express that emotion when someone tells you that hey they're tuned in and listening to you when they don't really have any reason to other than just to support you yeah and it's, yeah it's yeah, very being with you exactly yeah it's it's so heartwarming so i i really really thank you for mm-hmm. uh tuning in um and yeah thanks thanks for being here yeah and music wise i yeah. know we haven't played any music today yeah can we play some music and talk about it? Yeah, let's let's play some uh, Zook music. So if you are going to the burn, uh, then I would like to announce that we at Havana Nights at 9.30 and F have a Zook 
special dance uh, party on Wednesday and Thursday nights. And on Wednesday and Thursday night. And so we have our champagne party on Wednesday. Ooh. So we'll be, we'll have to. <laughs> yeah, and on also on Wednesday, so many things happening on Wednesday. Uh, there's a, there's a, it's a very auspicious day in my culture where we have, um, you know, the elephant headed God. Okay. Uh, we have an elephant headed God, Ganpati, and it's supposed to be his day and we celebrate uh, that. So I'm going to hold a small celebration in my camp in the morning for that. Cool. And it'll be great if you come by too. Wow. It's, it's, it's so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy I'm going to get to be there. Yeah, so let's play some music. Uh, let's see, where am I plugged in? Okay, this is going to be... Uh, what do we want to play? Take Care of You by Sahi. Here we go.
I'm sad, and I walk in my sleep, I can't help this. When's the last time I asked for some help that I couldn't get from nobody else yet? I couldn't get from nobody else that. When's the last time I asked for some help that I couldn't get from nobody else yet? Nobody. Spread it like a fan, perfect like some Gucci sandal. Open the sky, get a handful. Torso marked up like a vandal. How you not fucking with cash? God give you what you can handle. Give you what you can handle. I got the group like a handle. And I'm biking, I'm biking with me and my tangle. AD's got the angels, TV's got the angle. I'm breaking. God. Biking, I'm biking, I'm biking slow mo. Maybe the four will excite in the smoke. 
I'm cold with the temperatures dip below 70. How can I be burr around LA coast? The diamonds is plural to Tiffany brooch. On my lapel at the table, I'm giving a toast. The first wedding that I've been in my 20s. Thinking maybe someone is not something to own. Maybe the government got nothing to do. Thinking maybe the feeling just comes and it goes. Think I want me a little and I look like my clone. Me and my baby can't do on our own. I landed a trick on my impossibles. I'm fucking with Eddie, I'm watching my toes. 24 hours, I've been never closed. I'm biking, I'm biking, I'm biking these blocks. Since been ball, I saw all this ice up in Slauson. I'm biking uphill and it's burning my quads. I'm biking downhill and it sound like a fishing rod. Savages biting. Transition lighting, ashes and remnants of ballers, body to study, a bin leader used to be flawless, I'm high up the bridges keep falling, scattered the showers, don't scaffold the towers, I'm up mama promise, in class with the honors, no cheat like I'm honest, and how'd I become so accomplished, cause I don't see foes, I just see a cold, I just see a hole, chinks in your armor, like back in the armor, a jigger in summer, left the house like Obama, Hit the roll like a runner. Hit the roll like a runner. I'm backing, I'm backing, I'm back. I don't get weak in the knees. Running spread out like a fan. Perfect like some Gucci sand. Open the sky, get a hand. Torch some marked up like a vandal. How you not fucking with cash? God give you what you can handle. Give you what you can handle. I got the grip like a handle. And I'm biking. I'm biking with me and my dad. AB's got the angels. TV's got the angles. I'm breaking. Got the back up. Got the All right, we are back uh, at Mean Curry with Chris Wilson and Neeraj Naik. So thank you, Chris, so much for being here. And it was wonderful, as always, talking to you uh, about psychology, pretty much. (laughs) I I, I like psychology so much and to talk about the men's group and uh, this whole process. uh, I I hope the listeners enjoyed uh, listening to us just yeah yeah thank you go through it thank you so much for having me and uh it it's just an honor to get to be invited and i would love to hear if anybody listened and you you thought had any reactions or you noticed any anything come up honor in your body any stories you want to share any react any um perspectives i'd love to hear from you i'm at chris at unshakable man dot com is my email and uh or you can find me at the unshakable man on instagram but thank you so much yeah, and one thing you just uh, mentioned the the stories uh in our heads that's something that i i had initially thought about that we can talk about how how we quickly go to our stories yeah and th- there's uh, there was the levels of emotion uh-huh uh, in your body yeah you always love that yes. yeah i remember that yeah uh, can you can you reiterate that <laughs> yeah do we get to riff for the next eight minutes is that our <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> are we gonna sure. use every minute yeah. yeah all right yeah so um uh i love how you call this like the levels of emotion but um there's sensations mm. 
mm-hmm. that happen in or on our body. Sensations that happen in or on our body. Yeah, and then they become an emotion, right? When we identify with it, right? Mm-hmm. So the sensation uh, and and comes up honoring our body, and then it becomes an emotion, and then we have a feeling about that emotional experience. So I like to picture this as like an emotion can be so much more than the verbal expression mm-hmm. that we are able to express with human language, yeah. right? And so f- when the, when the sensation becomes an emotion, it's a physical sensation still honoring the body, and then we have a feeling about it where we label it, right? Mm. And then that turns it that feeling triggers a thought Mm. and then you have a mood which is a collection of feelings and thoughts over a period of time Mm. right you get into a mood and then you have judgments which occur within this this window right your judgments are affected by the mood you're in and the thoughts and the and and the the feelings that you're having right and then that triggers a story and then that creates a belief system Right. But this isn't we talk about this linearly, yeah. but it happens dynamically. Right. Yeah. Like. Right. It's, it's like that. Yeah. Um, sensation, emotion. I feeling. love that. It, that's sort of like a pyramid yeah. uh, or like lad- ladder. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you made an exp- I, I like the ladder aspect to it or or like a um, like an hourglass. Right. Mm. Because you're really squeezing this profundity of experience into like this the verbal cue right right like if i say i i I am angry that that is a very different thing than breathing into the sensations on and in your body and and being aware of the sequencing of the sensation through your body right Mm -hmm. and so that and then um love that yeah yeah then dropping out a story right yeah and people spend a lot of time in this in those stories and do not realize the judgments that they bring with those uh-huh. and project onto the people around them yeah yeah and that's it's um yeah it's a really big deal to we get can, the opportunity to drop out of the story i think i can keep talking about this for another two hours yeah but yeah we have a new show coming up uh on psyched radio uh with the Custodian of records, thank the you. Custodian of Oz. records. Oz, custodian of records. I was like connoisseur. What, what was <laughs> Custodian of records. Uh, I love that name. Uh, <coughs> and the name of the show is Unknown Frequencies. Thank you so much. And uh, this is going to be Oz's first uh, live show on Psych Radio, and I'm excited to hear. Uh, what he has he has his own little mixer and he's gonna do some live mixing uh which is just uh this is why i like being on psych radio is meeting uh people who uh who love music and make it their passion and spend time time in into it and put their put their time into making making art for just for other people it's inspiring and thank you for doing it and once again, thank you, Chris. Thank for you for having here. me. And let's close out with um, <coughs> let's close out with some uh, music from Burning Man that I, I want to be listening to. <laughs> 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 um, what is he gonna pick? 